He was on his way to becoming an Assembly of God minister. But while at seminary, he discovered the early church fathers. Aloha. From the sandy beaches of Hawaii comes a wave of God's love and the challenge to go deeper. Paddle out with us and experience the thrills of the radical plan God has for your life. It's Deep Adventure Radio with your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. Aloha and welcome to Deep Adventure Radio. I'm your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. I'm going to try something new today. I am going to try to slow down my speech. I normally speak at about 100 words uh, per minute, per minute, gust into 140. And so I'm going to try really hard. It might, be, it might be strange for my listeners who are used to me speaking very quickly, but I'm going to try really hard to speak at a normal pace, uh, at least uh, more normal than I normally do. But I'm not making any promises. I'm just going to try. You guys, you know what? Um, I'm sitting here with a broken toe, the toe on my right foot right next to my big toe. I broke it the other day. I was tandem surfing, brought my partner out of an extreme lift, and uh, it wasn't safe for me to put her to the board, so I leaped off holding her in a cradle, and the sand was shallow and hard, and I broke that toe. And, you know, I've never broken anything in my body. I've broken two other people's uh, collarbones back in my martial arts days. And you know what? They found me on Facebook, and uh, they say, even though you might have forgotten us, we haven't forgotten you. Every cold and rainy day, my collarbone reminds me of you. So, uh, but this is my first broken bone. And it's just a little toe. It's like I hardly even noticed it was broken. Uh, I was walking around on it for a few weeks. The day after I broke it, I had to go out to St. Mel's in Sacramento and uh, give a men's conference. And I just kept on surfing on it. And then finally I went in and saw the doctor and he took an x-ray. He goes, you broke your toe and you got to stop surfing for a while. Very, very, very difficult words for me to hear. But you know, A little toe, as little as that is, it can change everything in your life. Uh, your act, my activity had to change. I had to switch to riding bicycle from surfing, and uh, it can, it can, it can kind of mess up your day. Um, there's a scripture verse uh, that says, the little foxes spoil the vineyard. I believe that's in Song of Solomon. So often in our lives, we don't pay attention to the little things, and the little things uh, can change everything. For example, there's a little thing uh, called the rosary. It takes 20 minutes. Well, I gust so fast that it takes me 20. It may take longer for some people. But it's just a little thing. And it's a little thing that's so easily uh, to neglect. Or in the mornings, I pray the Liturgy of the Hours in the Office of Readings. It's such a little thing. It's so easy to neglect. You know, going to Mass on Sunday, it's, it's, it's a grave sin if we don't. Why? For some people, it seems like such a little thing. It's the coming together of the body of Christ. It's the coming together of the church, and it's the summit of our worship uh, to receive the, the bread of the word and the bread of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. It seems like a little thing. Uh, getting, uh, saying uh, like, uh, you know, the church teaches us uh, no, no Bible, no breakfast, no Bible, no bed. It's just a little thing. Uh, the God of the universe, the God who created the quasars and uh, black holes and the sun, he created a little thing, me. He created a little thing, you. Just a little thing compared to such a powerful and mighty God. But God loves this little thing. God loves me. In fact, when I was conceived, 
and when you were conceived, even if you were conceived in the worst circumstances, in a, in a, in a relationship that was maybe a one-night stand or even worse, maybe in a, in a rape. But at that moment, God gave to you, created you, your spirit. He created for you your very unique soul. And that soul uh, was implanted into that smallest little uh, uh, baby at the moment that you were conceived. The people who were involved in your conception maybe could care less at, uh, that, that you were uh, conceived or being born. But God cared. God cared about that little thing, that little thing, the the smallest little baby in the womb. He cared so much that he created a spiritual soul and implanted it in your heart. So we need to take care of the little thing. That spiritual soul that we have, we need to nurture it. That, uh, That spiritual soul that we have, we need to feed it the bread of God's word. We need to feed it. Uh, the bread of the Eucharist. We need to take care of that little thing by taking uh, time to pray, to study, and by living a virtuous life. My toe is broken. This little bitty toe is broken. And I had to tape it to uh, my big toe. It's called doing a buddy tape. Well, maybe that little thing in you that's broken, maybe you need a buddy. Maybe you need someone in your life that you can... uh, talk to and uh, incur and mutually en- encourage and affirm. You know, we're all broken. We're all little things. We're all almost like a little broken toe that causes us not to walk quite straight sometimes. And uh, we need a buddy tape. You know, we need to buddy tape ourselves to a, to a friend. One of the best ways to do that is just through texting. We have a group test set up with Gerard Middleton, a great, a great surfer, a man who's about to become a Catholic, former Baptist minister. Uh, Chris Sims, beautiful brother in the Lord. Lance Mackey and Dennis Riley. These, these are my buddies. These are, these are the guys I'm buddy taped to. Every day we write, you know, uh, we just text each other what's going on in our lives, our prayer needs. Uh, Lance will say, I went to Mass, uh, challenged us all this morning to go to a prayer vigil uh, Friday night. Uh, we share that we've done our workout or that we've done our hour of prayer. And I tend to share uh, things out of the Catholic Catechism because I love the Catechism. When I'm having my morning prayer, if I'm inspired, I, I shoot that off in that little group text. I'm encouraging you to uh, take care of the little thing that you are, that God loves so much that he gave you your spiritual soul. And, uh, bu- and maybe your toes a little bit broken, buddy tape yourself to some people in your lives that you can have a daily contact with to encourage one another. Hey, we're going to be right back. We have a great show, as usual, because we have great guests. I'm your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. We'll be back with more Deep Adventure Radio. This is Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and you're listening to Deep Adventure Radio with the one and only Bear Wozniak. On the next Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. We'll keep you closely connected to the faith with the latest from Rome, the front lines of the pro-life movement, and we'll also take a look at other crucial issues facing you and your family in our one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Catholic Connection, weekday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. You can listen to EWTN Radio on your computer no matter where you are. 
Just go to EWTN.com and click on Multimedia. Then look for the words EWTN Radio Listen. You'll also find information about our podcasts. You'll find it all at EWTN.com. Right now, right here, you get the splendor of truth for free. Yes, absolutely free. The EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, helping you to change your life for the better forever. I have never turned my station off since I found you. I just had to call in and say thank you so much for saving me. Aloha. This is Bear Wozniak from DeepAdventure.com. You are listening to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. All across the nation, people are tuning in to truth on the EWTN radio network. Even though I am a Southern Baptist, I love my local Catholic radio station, and I recommend it to all my friends, Catholic and non-Catholic. Since I joined the church a decade ago, access to Catholic radio has been a must for me and my family. To have EWTN broadcasting locally with such faith-filled and wholesome programs to find out more, go to EWTN.com slash radio. Now, back to Paradise and Deep Adventure Radio. Aloha and welcome to Deep Adventure Radio. I'm your host, Bear Wozniak. I'm your adventure guide along with my guest today, uh, someone who I just love it. When I go to Mass and I see Father Jeremiah Payne's going to be giving the, uh, the homily, I just kind of get riveted in my seat. I just, I, he just, he's such a great catechist and uh, a great communicator and uh, just loves the Lord uh, and a brilliant man. Uh, Father Jeremiah Payne uh, from Holy Name of Jesus Catholic Church in Indian Atlantic, Florida. Aloha. Aloha. How are you doing this morning, Bear? I've only got one question. Did you always win all the spelling bees in your class? Just tell the truth. Uh, actually, I wasn't very good at the spelling bees. I, I, I flunked out of the seventh grade spelling bee and never went back. No kidding? But, uh, <laughs> true. True story. I don't even believe that. I, I can't even believe that. So, they, so uh, <laughs> wasn't that a horrifying experience, huh? Like, you know, everybody stand up against the wall, and now we're going to make you spell. But I just exactly, had exactly, exactly. Who can spell perspicacious when you're when you're 12 years old? Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what it means. Yeah, I know. So, uh, so using it in a sentence didn't help, huh? <laughs> no, no, not at all. You got to listen to the Riley factor. Every every night he has some new strange word we're supposed to learn. But uh, but you know, actually, I got to confess, I stopped watching the news about three or four years ago. I just spend that time now in prayer and, and reading the early church fathers, uh, who I know you really love. I uh, I just I just love spending time uh, reading the fathers. But and, and and this is kind of let's just jump right into this because we're going to have some really interesting dialogue today. But uh, let's just jump right into this man, Father Jeremiah Payne, on his way to becoming an Assembly of God minister, uh, takes a right turn when he meets the, when he meets the early church fathers. Can you, can you share with us about your initial conversion and then, your, uh, and then your, the kind of the, the wake-up call to become a Catholic? Sure. I, you know, I, I was uh, prepping for, uh, you know, heading off to the Assemblies of God uh, seminary. They didn't call it a seminary, but uh, in my last time in my home church in Bellevue, uh, my pastor had asked me to teach a class on uh, the early church, and what he meant by that, of course, was the life of the church in the book of Acts, the Holy Ghost-filled life. But, uh, you know, being somewhat intellectually curious all of my life, 
I couldn't reconcile. I wanted to be honest in the class, but couldn't reconcile how each of these little churches along a 441 in Bellevue could all claim to be living the New Testament life, uh, and none of us having anything more in common than simply being able to say that Jesus is Lord. So, you know, knowing what oral tradition was in the ancient world in terms of the preservation of histories, genealogies, culture, and all of that sort of thing, I figured that the first generation of Christians immediately following the New Testament writers wouldn't be that far off track. So everybody's arguing about the Book of Acts and the New Testament in in the Protestant world. Uh, So let's go to that first generation uh, post-New Testament and see what was handed on in these various places, in Jerusalem and Syria, uh, throughout Acacia, Asia Minor, uh, Rome even. Uh, What were they writing? What were they teaching? What was it that they perceived to have received from the apostles? Uh, And i got to tell you, to my uh, horror at the time, uh, what I read as I started reading through what I now call the early Church Fathers— um, everything that I read in there was consistent with the Catholic Church. And the only church today that looked like uh, the church that I was reading about back then were the Catholic and the Orthodox churches. And so basically, I, you know, long story short, I finally came to the conclusion uh, from reading the Church Fathers and seeing the consistency over hundreds upon hundreds of years from the very beginning, that if Jesus is who he says he is, uh, and that's the hinge of all Christianity, is it not? You know, Jesus is either God-made man or he's a very lovely lunatic. Um, But uh, if Jesus is who he says he is, then the Church must be what he says it is. And I don't have any right to form or fashion the Church in my own image, because it is not my body, it's his covenant body, and he establishes what the covenant terms of that body are. So I became Catholic. It, you know, I, and I became a Catholic revert. I, you know, my my father sent me uh, Stephen Ray's book, Cross in the Tiber, and I, I had left the church, and maybe in some ways it would be better said that the church kind of left me because I was wanting to go deeper with God. I had, a, I had been baptized in the Spirit and the charismatic renewal, but I had never been introduced to some of the, I mean, I, 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 maybe they thought we were dumb, but we weren't. We weren't taught about, you know, Aquinas or Augustine or about, you know, Athanasius or Irenaeus or Ignatius. We weren't introduced to those topics and the mystery of how the Bible even came into existence. And I just thought, well, there was Jesus, then there was the Book of Acts, and then there was Martin Luther. You know, and so I started to fall into the confusion of soteriology. I mean, I mean, of sola fide, sola scriptura, and penal substitution, and um, and I lived under that confusion. For a long time, but once I read Crossing the Tiber by Stephen Ray, I came roaring back to the church, and and, and, and that was about 2006, 2007, and, and I, I tell you, I, I sit out on my ba- I'm on Lanai at night. In the morning, I have my St. Francis prayer time. You know, I have my, I, I read my, I do my Liturgy of the Hours, uh, Office of Readings, the readings from Mass, Imitation of Christ. I read a couple pages from the Catechism and, and just kind of meditate uh, uh in a in a in a in a very sweet way of just giving myself over to the Lord. In the evenings, I got Aquinas and Augustine sitting next to me, you know, and I take out my early church father the the books about them and reading their books. And I just can't get deep enough. And you know, Father, when you read the writings, like when you read about the Arian heresy, 
and you see the intrigue in the court of Constantine, and you see Arius, and you see Athanasius, and you see all this. It's like reading a Louis L'Amour Western, man. It's like fascinating, it is. isn't it? <laughs> it's it's full and of drama. The Santa Claus sock uh, Arius, you know, <laughs> saying that Jesus wasn't God. You know, you mean Saint Nicholas, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, Saint Nicholas. I, so, so my guess is he Arius is on the naughty list and not on the nice. Yeah, list. he's on the naughty list. But I mean, they were. It was so interesting because really the. Arians were looking for a watered-down version of Catholicism to make it more palatable to the the upper class, uh, uh, you know, uh, more the elite of the of the Roman Empire. They'd already kind of left behind, uh, I guess, poly, polytheism um, leading up to that that period. They'd already kind of been kind of leaving that kind of stuff behind. And it's not like Constantine made made Catholicism Catholicism a state religion. He just said we're not going to persecute it anymore. But he also, I right. think, saw it as a means to an end. That this 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 could kind of unite his his empire in some ways, and it became a uh, with Arius and all those guys. They were more, into, I think, into political power than they were into um, just um, devotion to the Lord. And it became, and you can see that's evidenced by that by the level of court intrigue that followed. You know. Oh, certainly, certainly. So your friend, um, Mar- yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I said, you know, and, and that you know that becomes a problem later on. Of course, this this uh, sort of melding of the church and the state in the East, uh, you know, and, and the state oftentimes influences some of the Eastern churches in ways that the gospel wouldn't necessarily go. Uh, so you see that play out later in history, especially after the Great Schism. But you know, you see, but you see what what's so beautiful about this is, I can see why. I mean, even from you know, Paul writing, you know, that Jesus actually did come in the flesh. There was already teaching contrary to the gospel that was happening. All of these early heresies, you know, you could list probably 20 or 30 of them that came about uh, during the time of the of the early fathers. It became really a beautiful way uh, for uh, the church to really think and reason and establish doctrine, like the difference between that little, you know, homo homoousius and homoousius, you know, that that little Mm -hmm. iota there in the middle, what a significant difference it was. And it was really a process of really helping us establish our faith. And, you know, I'm just going to say it like this. I have, when I'm with my Protestant brothers and sisters whom I love, I often, this happens all the time. It says, well, I read the scripture and I think this. Whereas I was with a friend of mine, Tony Orband, he's here, we're, we're working on our second season for the EWTN reality show we're doing, and he was saying, you know, as a Catholic, I find when I have a question, I can go to the catechism or to the church, and people smarter than me already figured it out, you know? Right. It's not like we just accept it. You go there and read it, and you go, ah, uh, uh-huh, okay, yep, 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 that makes sense, okay. But people a lot smarter than us have already gone down that road. And That's so, exactly right. Yeah, isn't it cool? So now, having said that, I want to dig. I need. I want to dig up a little stuff with you. I need. I need your help. Um, sure. Okay. So I was surfing the other day, and I and I a tandem surfing. I had my partner in a lift, brought her down to my, you know, from high in the air down to a cradle in in my arms, and I was going to put her on the board, and not nah, it wasn't going to work. So I jumped off the board. Suddenly, it went from four feet of water to like a foot and a half, and I snapped my my toe. Oh my word! You know, and that, and that the toe <laughs> next to the big toe, you know, and right now it's sitting in a bucket of ice. Yeah. Oh. Do you do you, do you know guy. do you know that scripture that in Song of Solomon's it's the little foxes that spoil the vineyard? 
Yeah. This little toe is destroying my life right now. I have a competition in Virginia Beach, and I, I just won't let it heal. I'm on my bicycle. I kept surfing for a couple weeks after it broke, and it just it's the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. Uh, That's it's, right. it's, it's the little iota in homo easiest versus homo uzius. I can't even say it right. And there's one area, there's one area, Father, that I got to tell you, I, I, and we may take this segment and some more to talk about it, but I lived in this confusion. I lived it in a matter of faith. I had been taught that Jesus on the cross, that his, his work of salvation was really just on the cross, and that on the cross... He was punished by God the Father for my sins, and that there was even a moment on the cross when God the Father and the God the Son were separated. When Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That the Father and the Son were actually separated from each other. And I always found that hard to take. I just never felt in my prayer life that my, that God the Father was this punishing, vengeful God exacting a price, but I just accepted it on faith. And then as I came back to the church, I began to discover that that, isn't quite, that is not even close to being what we believe as Catholics. And I wonder if you could first help us lay out what penal substitution is and then, uh, and then let's clearly define a Catholic soteriology. Sure. Well, you know, first, the first problem, again, in this whole line of thinking is, is sola scriptura. You know, first of all, when, when you regulate uh, that, that these words alone are the sole authority of faith, you separate them from their historic context, from their literary type, and all of these sorts of things, uh, you have no lens through which to see the sacred literature as it is. And so what often happens is that uh, interpreters of the text uh, outside of context will see what is a metaphor or an allegory or an image uh, and they will seize onto that as though it were the only possible way uh, to look at the reality being explained, when in fact it's just being used as one lens uh, with others to see a mystery, something which God has revealed that we could not understand on our own, and something that we can never fully understand because of the finitude of our nature. Yeah, the most difficult, so, the most difficult concepts you almost have to speak of poetically or allegorically, because you just can't get there by by dissecting it, right? So one of of the images, of course, that Paul is fond of in in discussing uh, the relationship between God and man, because there's a plethora of language with which uh, to speak of it allegorically, is the image of the courtroom. Uh, And so, you know, Paul, when he speaks about sanctification and justification, so on and so forth, he often reverts to this type of imagery, uh, the courtroom. But is, is he saying that, you know, what happens in a tribunal, uh, whether it be a Sanhedrin tribunal or a Roman tribunal, is an exact corollary to God? No. Uh, they're trying to use all these images to highlight a mystery. So, for example, when we talk about sin in general, uh, the term is a sports term. Hamartia in Greek, or chata'as in Hebrew, is a sports term. It's an archer who has the target in front of him, you know, that three-ring target, and uh, he aims at the bullseye, misses the bullseye, but hits somewhere else on the target. Hamartia, to miss the mark, is a sports term. 
so they, they draw all of these images uh, allegorically from other areas to try and explain uh, or at least uh, make more known these great mysteries in Christ. Uh, but when you seize upon one of these images and you reify it, uh, and you make it the only lens through which you see the issue at hand, uh, you have a foundation of distortion, because that wasn't intended. So, you know, this this idea of penal substitution uh, that, that Jesus perhaps, and there's various permutations of it, uh, that Jesus as uh, you know, the, 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 the perfect son and the flesh taking on our humanity, standing in our place, uh, receiving the judgment of God that we are due, um, is somewhat ludicrous, you know, as though God needed to exact uh, violent vengeance uh, upon anybody. I mean, first of all, when, when, you, when you hold that up against the gospel— uh, it doesn't correlate with God at all. Uh, you know, when you really are honest about this theory alone as the theory of soteriology, you have nothing more than Zeus or Jupiter or any of the other pagan deities, not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, and certainly not uh, the triune majesty from whence uh, Jesus is processed into uh, the world is the Word made flesh. So, you know, what did uh, the fathers understand this to be? What did uh, Paul himself even uh, understand well, as let, he's describing as he's describing this to well, the Well, let, let, let's take let's take a break here, Father. And we'll come back and we'll get we'll start digging into that. You know, I think of it out kind of like this. I've done a lot of ocean rescues, and you know what I don't do. When you go out there in the ocean, then people are being swept through heavy surf. I don't say, you know, you should have stayed on shore. You shouldn't have stayed your back. Shouldn't have kept your back against the ocean. You could, shouldn't have, have done this. You shouldn't have done that. I, I'm going to punish you for doing that. I rescue them. You know, right. I just rescue them. And Jesus came on a, a rescue mission uh, because of his love and the love of the Father. Uh, came on a rescue mission. He didn't come to punish us. He came to save us. And uh, and God the Father didn't send Jesus to punish him in our stead. Uh, we're going to get dig more into this, this, this area of confusion that think once cleared up just shows us the love of the Father. It's so beautiful. Uh, this is Bear Wozniak. I'm your host on Deep Adventure Radio, and I have one of my favorite priests, favorite people in the world. Father Jeremiah Payne with me right now. I had to dig forever to get him on my show, but he's back. And uh, after these messages, we'll continue on our conversation on penal substitution versus recapitulation. Deep Adventure Radio, where the surf is always up. The young people are the future of the church, and right here, they are also the present. Let your faith catch on fire as you get to know the young guests who stand up firm for their faith on the Rock of Christ, forever young. On the next Life on the Rock, only on EWTN. Life on the Rock is seen and heard around the world on EWTN. For dates and times in your area, log on to EWTN.com. 
It's fun. It's free. It's Wings, EWTN's weekly e-newsletter delivered to your inbox free each week. Read about upcoming special programming. And learn what's new at EWTN, radio, TV, and Internet. Just send an email to radio at EWTN.com. Be sure to put Wings in the subject line. Wings, a free service from your friends at the Global Catholic Network, EWTN. On the next Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. We'll keep you closely connected to the faith with the latest from Rome, the front lines of the pro-life movement, and we'll also take a look at other crucial issues facing you and your family in our one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Catholic Connection, weekday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Deep Virtue with Bear Wozniak. Aloha, this is Bear Wozniak with Deep Virtue number 68. You know, I made kind of a stupid... Um, move one time, I took my 40-pound tandem surfboard, paddled out in the wee dawn hours well before the sun rose when it was still dark, left Molokai, the island of Molokai, and started paddling across that channel to Oahu, which was 28 miles away. And it all seemed like such a great idea when I sat the night before and drank a Mai Tai and looked across. You can almost see Oahu sometimes in the distance. I started the paddle, and things went pretty well for the first, I would say, 20 miles. And then I went into a place of just tremendous adversity. The wind currents, the ocean currents, the riptide. I got stung by probably a dozen man-of-war. Um, everything that could possibly go against me went against me. It was so bad that if I took a break and I rested, I would be so far adrift that it would take me over a minute to catch up for 10 seconds of rest. So for the last three hours, which was the last eight minutes, it took me a total of 10 hours and 19 minutes to get across. But the last three hours were just those, those last seven miles. I never rested. I just kept paddling and paddling. I felt the stingers of the man of war stinging my arms. I kept on paddling and I kept on paddling. And the only thing that kept me going was just focusing on the Lord. I know that a lot of you right now feel like you're in you're up against it, that you're paddling and there's this powerful riptide bouncing off the cliffs in front of you and pushing you back out to sea. Just keep paddling. Just keep paddling. Just keep your eyes on Jesus one prayer at a time, one breath at a time, one moment at a time. And there will come a time like it did for me when I made it into that safe harbor. So don't give up. God does have a plan for your life. God is with you every step of the way. And the trial of your faith works great virtue in your life. This is Bear Wozniak from DeepAdventure.com. Deep Virtue with Bear Wozniak. Find out more at DeepAdventure.com. Wax up your boards. Let's paddle in for another wave of Deep Adventure Radio. Aloha. Welcome back to Deep Adventure Radio. We are on an adventure today. Uh, we are out on a rescue mission um, with Father Jeremiah Payne. I just love his homilies. I love his spirit. I love his zeal for God. And uh, he's one of the pastors at my church, Holy Name of Jesus Catholic Church, uh, down in Indiana Atlantic, Florida. And, you know, Father Jeremiah, when I was a long time ago, uh, I think I had just... I, don't, I think I was just in the process of leaving the church, trying to go d- deeper with God. I love God. I wanted to go deeper, and I just wasn't, I wasn't directed d- d- to a place where I could find that within the church, which sounds, sounds ludicrous. And I was kind of on my way into do- non-denominational land, and I began to work with Chuck Colson Ministry in, uh, in prisons. 
And one of the, the teaching that I would, the, the best way I could describe penal substitution is the way they described it. Because Chuck Colson, when he was, uh, I forget, he was the, the president, Nixon's hatchet man, uh, was convicted of prison, uh, convicted of his crime, the Watergate crime. Uh, Governor Al Quie, who was then a congressman, stood up. Uh, at the sentencing, he said, "You've been." He said, I, "You know, he was convicted. He was guilty." Governor Alqui said, "Look, Chuck Colson's wife or someone in his family is, is serious, gravely ill. Let me pay his. Let me pay. Let me do his time in prison for him. I'll pay the punishment." And that's the way they describe penal substitution. Uh, that that the heresy of penal substitution. Their confusion was, "Yes, you're convicted of the crime, but Jesus is going to pay the punishment from a vengeful, angry God." That's the way it was described to me. And even though I accepted it in faith, it just didn't seem like the Father that I. I knew would do that. So, um, but that is the that that was something Martin Luther came out with, and it really had never been taught before, had it? Not really. I, I mean, there have been hints at it. Again, you have to understand, you know, through the history of the church, that uh, there is there's multifaceted ways to talk about a mystery that we can't fully comprehend. Uh, but penal substitution, in, in that sense, no. Uh, you know, it's not a Catholic doctrine, and it's. It's not a biblical doctrine, uh, I, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's rather uh, an absurd view of God, in, in my opinion. Uh, you know, what happens for real, and this is where we get to, you know, what we often call in theology recapitula- uh, recapitulation. Uh, there's a Greek term often associated uh, with it, apokatastasis, which means restoration or the reordering uh, of all things. So, God creates the world as good, and this is the basic synopsis. God creates the world as good from him and made for him, with him as its purpose. Uh, Adam and Eve uh, in the garden, uh, instead of choosing that greater good, wound our human nature and invite death into it by serving themselves and choosing their own will over God's will. And that brings disorder and chaos and death back into the order. Now, okay, so, but Father Jeremiah, it, it brings death in this way. When I scuba dive and I run out of oxygen, I die, right? Uh, like, my scuba tank is kind of important. You know, I, I, it happened to me once where I had to switch tanks at 120 feet. Um, when we cut off our oxygen supply, we die. It's not, a, you know, when you, the wages of sin is death, the wages of missing the mark is separation from God, but we do the separating. We're the ones that, that take off the, the, the scuba tank and, and, and try to live 120 feet underwater without oxygen. It's not a punishment. It's a decision. We ourselves have cut ourselves off from, from God's love and his life. Yes, exactly. So when I when I when I choose to turn away from the great the greatest good and look towards lesser goods for my happiness, that's a turn that I make. That's not a turn imposed upon me, and I'm responsible for the consequences of such a turn. Uh, this turn on Adam and Eve's part, this as the Hebrew says, this dying the death, uh, spiritual death, and, and willful separation from God's will. Uh, permutates itself throughout all of creation uh, and throughout the ages of humanity. And so uh, what is the work of salvation then? You know, salvation, uh, uh, you know, in Greek, soter, in Latin, salvatio, uh, from the verb salvare, uh, means to be made well, to be made whole and healthy. Uh, this is, this is, this is, salvation. 
uh, really, you know, in another another scriptural text uh, uh, talks about it quite lovely to grow to full stature. That's what salvation is about. Now, dealing with sin is a part of that work, of course, uh, but salvation is so much more than simply dealing with sin. You got to clean the house before you have the party, but the cleaning of the house isn't the party. That's so and awesome. So, That's awesome. You got to say yeah, that one I mean, more time, and it's a come as you are party too, isn't it? But but say that say that one more time, okay? I I, I well, you know to to uh, uh, you got to say it again. I already forgot what you I said. said that you know <laughs> that you know the cleaning of the sin, the cleaning of the house is right. is just to get ready for the party. It's not the party. It's not the party. Yeah. yeah. So you know, uh, being being made well, you know, uh, you know, losing weight. Uh, isn't the end of your fitness program. It's the beginning of it. So th- this is the dealing with sin. So so the idea is this. Uh, we are not, and this is where we also get into sort of a, um, you know, Anselm's version of the satisfaction theory, but uh, we uh, have a consequence to our actions uh, that we ourselves cannot heal uh, because of the wounds we've inflicted upon ourselves. Uh, and yet we are the ones that must heal it because we're the offender. So what is God's solution? That God himself will enter into uh, his wounded world, and he will bring back to that wounded world uh, himself and his orderedness. Uh, So, you know, Paul, how does he describe it in Romans? uh, That... All of humanity is under the princip- uh, is under the principality or the headship of Adam, because Adam is our protogenitor, and we inherit in a way uh, everything that Adam did uh, as a wound in our nature uh, and as a stamp of death. Jesus comes as the obedient Son or the new Adam, and. He is obedient to the Father in living out the perfect holiness of God while being a witness to God uh, in the world. And that living out of holiness and love uh, results in his entrance into the deepest part of our wound, death. And what does he do when he dies? He brings to that ultimate place of uh, if you will, separation from God, God again. And I think it's it, it's a brilliant moment, for example, in uh, The Passion of the Christ, where you see that androgynous satanic character uh, rejoicing at the crucifixion until there's a moment when that teardrop, as it were, falls from heaven when Jesus expires. All of a sudden, that satanic character realizes what he did. I invited God into death. That one last domain that I had is now the domain of God. So that when humans now enter into death, it is the pathway to eternal life. And so Paul says that now Jesus has this new headship. There's a new creation in Jesus. What Adam messed up, Jesus made whole again. The problem for Paul was that we can't be born of Jesus, right? Jesus has no biological children, as Adam did. So he goes on to explain how is it that we participate 
in this new headship of Christ that brings all of creation back to its proper order? Well, we must have a koinonia in his death, a participation in, and we must have a participation in his new resurrected life. And this participation, he goes on to say from 5 into chapter 6 of the book of Romans, is baptism. So, baptism so baptism isn't just baptism. So many people say they'll say where Jesus said you must be born again uh, of the water and of the spirit. They'll they'll say that well that that was just the amniotic fluid of a ba- your first birth. <laughs> it's silliness. I mean, how, you know, and people will say I'm a Bible believing Christian, and then they throw that stuff out. Uh, when Jesus was baptized, he said these words to John: "It is fitting for I've come to fulfill all righteousness." That is what his mission was from the moment of the incarnation through the early years when he said he went and obeyed his parents and grew in wisdom and stature before both God and man. And the silent years when he, sh- when he brushed off the, the, the shavings of wood while he was hopping his father. Every act of Jesus, when he spoke... When he ate, when he slept, was 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 the recapitulation. It was it was him fulfilling all righteousness, you know, in, in every single in every uh, a single way. So when he when he went down into the waters, the early church fathers say he wasn't being uh, he wasn't being uh, washed away of his sin. He wasn't being blessed by the waters. He was blessing the waters for us, so that right. when we're baptized in a real way, we are joined to the head, Jesus in his yep. body. Right, and that's, you know, so we can't be born, and this is Paul's point, we can't, we, we can't be born of Jesus like we're born of Adam, so there has to be another way in which we come under Jesus' headship. And, okay, you know, okay, okay, God, Father, well, Father, we got to take a break, we got to take a break. Okay. Uh, just like, you know, like, uh, you can only uh, sprint for so long. We're going to take a little breather here. <laughs> I love this conversation. Um, this is Bear Wasden with Deep Adventure Radio. We're uh, talking, uh, we're, on, we're on, a, on a sprint here with Father Jeremiah Payne from Holy Name of Jesus Catholic Church in the Atlantic. We're going to be right back, back after these messages to carry on this conversation. Deep Adventure Radio, going deeper into the heart of God. EWTN is now on Twitter. Get short, timely messages from EWTN on your computer or cell phone. It's easy to stay up to date on a wide variety of topics. Pro-life news, Vatican announcements, catechesis, apologetics, the latest EWTN programming, and more. You can link to EWTN on Twitter from our homepage or go to twitter.com slash EWTN. At work, at home, at school, and on the road, stay connected to your world with EWTN's Twitter page. Are people challenging your faith? Do you wish you knew how to explain it better? Well, then tune in to hear Father Mitch Pacwa and his guests setting the record straight on all matters faith and reason. Next time on EWTN Live, only on EWTN. EWTN Live with Father Mitch Pacwa is seen and heard around the world. For dates and times in your area, log on to EWTN.com. Back to Deep Adventure Radio with Bear Wozniak, suffering in paradise for you. This is Bear Wozniak. Welcome back to Deep Adventure Radio. We are on a, we are on an adventure right now with my co-adventure guide, Father Jeremiah Payne, one of the pastors at Holy Name of Jesus Catholic Church, a, a graduate of Franciscan University at Steubenville, which I'm now an online student. But he, uh, Father, you went on to, to study in Rome, and I, I forget all your academic backgrounds. Just give me the hit, hit the high points of that. Oh, sure. Yeah, I went to seminary at St. Vincent de Paul Regional Seminary in uh, Boynton Beach, Florida, and then 
I went to the Pontifical University of St. Thomas Aquinas in uh, Rome, where I studied sacramental theology before I served as a professor of sacramental theology at the seminary that I went to. Well, am I under confusion? I thought you went to Franciscan also. I did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I went to Franciscan, and then uh, I went uh, I went with a group of students from Franciscan to help start Ave Maria College, which began which became Ave Maria University. So oh, really? I was part of that core group. Are you of serious? That, yeah, I, I, I'm the first graduating class. Well, I'm I'm surprised they let you graduate, but that's amazing. <laughs> no, uh, you never even did. You, you flunked out of your seventh grade spelling bee. They let you graduate there. That's amazing. No, I know, I, right? <laughs> I got to speak down there a few months ago. The students there are awesome. It's like a little, it's like a little oasis in the middle of a of 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 of. Uh, I don't know what that area is. That swampy area kind of begins down there, but uh, hey, I learned I learned down there the difference between a crocodile and a and an alligator. Oh, what's that? Well, an alligator will always say "see you later," and, and, a, and a crocodile says "after a while." I think oh that's my. yeah, that's what I learned. Those students are brilliant. <laughs> hey, uh, but Father, let's get back to this. So we were we were going through the conversation about about. Jesus fulfilling all righteousness. You know, I look at it like this. I look at like a weightlifter. You know, Jesus came down and he and he, and he doing a squat. You know, he gets down under the weight in his incarnation in the moment of his conception. He gets down under the weight of all mankind and just lifts. And on the cross, when his hands are fully extended over, you know, on the cross over him, he's he's doing that 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 military press above and lifting humanity back to its original dignity and even beyond that because it says Aquinas says I think not to, not only did he he um merit our salvation, but with superabundant grace, he brought, as the head of, uh, of the church, he brought, brings all mankind back to the Father if we only avail ourselves to that through baptism. And I think that's kind of where we left off. So can you kind of continue rolling on yeah, that Yeah, that's theme? right. So, so, you know, this idea of, of how, do, how do we then become a, uh, a child of Jesus, if you will, to use Paul's analogy, as we are children of Adam or rather to come under the headship of Jesus uh, as we were previously under the headship of Adam so that we might partake of his redemptive act. And, you know, Paul's conclusion is baptism. Other New Testament writers, uh, you know, elaborate on that point as well. So John, for example, will talk about being born again uh, by water and the Spirit. He's fond of that particular terminology. Paul will also use the term referring to baptism as regeneration. Uh, so he'll talk about baptismal regeneration or the laver of rebirth. And so this is how we're born of the Christ and how we participate in uh, or how we inherit, or whatever, again, analogy you want to use to describe it, uh, the work uh, that he did and he does before the Father. Uh, we become part of his new creation, uh, and that's exactly what he does. He's creating a new, and it's beautiful. You know, John really hints at it quite lovely, and in a, in a quite lovely way. You know, when he begins his gospel, how does he do it? With the first words of Genesis, in the beginning. And by the time we get to the wedding at Cana in John's gospel, we've seen uh, a narration of six days. And what, is Je- what does Jesus do at the wedding at Cana? There's a, first of all, there's a wedding, just as there was on the sixth day when God made Adam and Eve, uh, and they were bound together in matrimony. Uh, so on this sixth day of John, they're at a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and Jesus calls his mother, 
woman, which was the original name of Eve. And John is having a lot of fun showing us that Jesus has come to recreate and to create anew the world which God created in the beginning, uh, and that we participate in that recreation uh, by the waters of baptism uh, and by participation in the Most Holy Eucharist, where we become what we eat. Well, do we... Do we in any way say that we work our way to heaven, that we can work our way to heaven without God's grace? Does the Catholic Church teach that in any way? No, uh, not at all. We, we, there, there, there is no work on our own that has the ability to merit anything from God, and, and love itself is not meritable in the first place. It's a, it's a free uh, gift. But are our works in Christ meritorious or praiseworthy, whatever word you want to use? Most certainly are because most certainly they are because now they are redeemed works of those who have been made whole superabundantly so uh, by the salvific work of Christ. So uh, oftentimes authors will use uh, the term, and I like it, graced works, um, and you know that's necessary because what happens in a relationship of love. Uh, we love is actionable. Love reveals itself uh, in what the lover and the beloved not only say, not only know, but what they do. And even the word in Greek, and this this is amazing. Even the word in Greek is sort of a an actionable noun, if you will. The word is pistis, and uh, we have an English. Um, terms that come from or related to pistis. So piston, as in a piston engine on those old airplanes, uh, or pistol, right? Both of those nouns imply dynamic motion and propulsion because pistis, the word for faith, itself implies activity, a faith that does, a knowledge that begets doing, it's powerful. So, yeah, go ahead, Father. We're coming is. close to the end. Um, well, let me just say this, Father. You know, um, God is love. But if God wasn't a trinity, and he existed before all time, and he was just sitting there being love, who was he loving? You know, God is a trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the beauty of recapitulation, the beauty of, of salvation, is that when we are baptized and we're joined to God, Jesus Christ as the head, and we're raised up with him, when he ascended into heaven, we are there with him in heavenly places. We get to be a part of that I don't know how you would say it, love triangle, the Trinitarian love that's been flowing through all eternity within the three persons of the Trinity. We are now present in the midst of that through Jesus Christ. Um, Father, um, thank you so much for joining us. We're already out of time. You know, we very rarely have a guest return. But uh, before we even started this conversation, I intended to send you another email and say, when can you be on again? Father Jeremiah Payne from Holy Name of Jesus Catholic Church. Uh, I get goosebumps and I get agitated when you when you give your homilies. I just love them. Um, thank, you for, thank you for joining us, Father. Thanks for having me, Bear. Will you give us all a blessing before we go? 
Sure. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Uh, we'll be, we'll, we'll, I'm going to email you and try to get you back on the show real quick. We'll be right back. This is Bear Wozniak, your adventure guide on Deep Adventure Radio. Surf's Up, real and radical ways to live your faith. This is Bear Wozniak with DeepAdventure.com with this week's Surf's Up segment with Aubrey Marcus. They're my nutrient supplement sponsor at Onnit. Aubrey, tell us, what makes Alpha Brain so unique? Uh, we wanted to come at it a much different pr- approach, you know, target the neurotransmitters themselves. And, you know, we really created something special. And just this week, we're announcing our clinical trial results from a massive double-blind randomized clinical trial f- with the Boston Center for Memory that showed that the formula Alpha Brain affected cognition in a statistically significant way in a variety of different channels, from uh, peak alpha brain waves, which are responsible and, and associated with being in the zone, to theta-beta ratio, which is associated with increased focus. We scored a significant p-value on the California verbal learning test, which is the ability to recall words over time. So, you know, form sentences better, do things like radio shows, for example. And just kind of across the board, uh, another one was button press accuracy, so the ability to hear a tone, um, you know, auditorily, and then translate that into motor motor skill action. And a lot of these things are, are, are things that a lot of our athletes and people who've been promoting have been talking about already you know right off the bat joe rogan said i I feel like alpha brain makes me form sentences better and now we have the we have the backup uh with this clinical trial to to show that there's you know true empirical scientific validation for that reasoning And, and tim kennedy one of our great fighters said that he could hear combinations from his corners from his corner and those instructions and put it into action faster Thanks, Aubrey. I'm so proud to be on your Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, you've been providing me with great nutrient supplements for several years now. That Alpha Brain product is incredible. Go to our website at deepadventure.com and you can click on the Onnit tab if you want to check out more about Onnit. Surf's up. Go deep or go home. Aloha and welcome back to Deep Adventure Radio. I don't know if you heard my opening segment, but I deliberately said that I was going to try to slow my speech down for that whole segment. Uh, you know, because I normally speak at 140,000 words a minute. And I think I pretty much accomplished it, but that was a one-time thing. You can't expect for me to do that forever. At the end of the show, i got to go back to my fast-talking ways. I so much apologize, but that's just the way God wired me, I guessed. And, uh, but I do want to remind you guys, please go to our website and subscribe to our, our social media. If you just fill out your email, we send you a two-minute deep virtue segment that you can share with your friends. And the radio show actually gets to you a day early, so you can listen to it while you're at the gym or anywhere you are. And, of course, on our website, you can listen to all 200 or so shows. They're all archived. They're very easy to just push and play the MP3. And you guys, you can buy my new book, Deep Adventure, The Way of Heroic Virtue, published by Servant Books. And uh, you guys, we really need your help. We're, uh, we have the reality show on EWTN-TV, which aired on June 22nd. And now uh, we are preparing for our second season, Deep Adventure, The Long Ride Home. Uh, we're going to ride Harleys, motorcycles out through the Big Bend country uh, in Texas with Father Mark Goring. And we're going to be uh, experiencing and studying and, and sharing the interior life of prayer. And we we need your help. We have a $50,000 budget. If you go in and and you uh, donate at least 25 a month, then uh, we'll send you one of our uh, reality show t-shirts. Uh, until next week, this is your uh, adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. May the breath of the Holy Spirit aloha you. Aloha. This is Deep Adventure Radio. 
Hear archived shows, buy Bear's book, Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul, and sign up for our Wave of the Week email at deepadventure.com. For the latest news on Bear and Deep Adventure, visit us on Facebook and share Deep Adventure with your friends. The most radical thing you can do in life is abandon yourself to the wild adventure of God's will. Deep Adventure Radio.